We got something really exciting in the mail recently. It's right here. Our two companies, two packages came in the mail containing all the legal paperwork for the two shell companies that we recently formed. We have one in Delaware and one in Belize. We kept hearing about these tax havens, about how so much of the world's wealth is stored on these little islands. Kept hearing about it mostly because of this guy who's running for president, Mitt Romney. So what do you make of of this talk? I can't say it's all this talk, but, but there is certainly some about the Cayman Islands and the Swiss bank account. Well, I understand that's what the Democrats and the Obama people will do. Again, their campaign is not the big, about the big issues that America faces. Their campaign is not about the fact that you have 23 million people out of work and half the kids coming out of college can't find work. Their campaign is trying to find something to say, gee, he had a Swiss bank account, which apparently was done by the blind trustee. I mean, I had no involvement in this. But, you know, there are many, many, many offshore companies. So we were wondering, how does it work? And can we get in on that? It turns out, yes, indeed, we can get in on that incredibly easily, actually. Within a few days, we had opened up a shell company in Belize. We named her Unbelievable. And once we did that, a little pink in the cheeks from our success, we heard about another tax haven. This one isn't even offshore. It's Delaware. No ID, no passport required, nothing. 24 hours later, we owned Delahoo. Does it actually have a question mark at the end? It does. And the whole thing, I have to say, felt really exciting. It felt like all of a sudden we were welcomed into this secret, shady world. And and now that we were inside, we could learn all of its tricks. We were promised in the process again and again that no person or government would ever find out that we owned Unbelievable. Anyone coming after us was going to need a court order before the people in Belize would turn over any documents. And we could appoint fake directors and shareholders so our names were nowhere to be found in the paperwork. It was honestly, it was just as secret and sketchy as I had always imagined. And it was way easier to take part in it in this whole world than I expected. And then the mail came with these piles of documents, one in an envelope, one in a big FedEx box. And Hannah, this has all been just sitting on your desk for a month now. I would walk by them multiple times a day. We've just been kind of looking at them, not knowing what to do next. We've got our two companies. So what now? Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Today on our show, Tax Lawyers to the Rescue. We visit two experts. We find out that in addition to buying these two companies, we may have also bought ourselves a world of trouble. We took all this stuff we got in the mail to the law firm of Rogan NASA in Hartford, Connecticut, where we met David Buckley and Daniel Gottfried. They're specialists in this whole offshore world we just got involved with. And we sat down in a conference room. There was a fruit plate. There was. It was good. And Daniel and David basically just walked us through what we had just bought, starting with our Delaware company. So we have a three-ring binder that's burgundy and black and and a gold inlay and says Delahue LLC on the binding. Looks, Looks pretty serious. Certificate of organization, operating agreement. It really feels like I'm like in fifth grade and my mom went to the store and got like a company kit for me to practice running a business. No, absolutely. Absolutely. This is, uh, this is your toy company. At this point, we took out the toy we were most excited about. They came with these. The Delahoo Corporate Seal. We got one from Belize, too. It cost us a little extra. They're these awesome stamps. You put a piece of paper in, you squeeze it, and it imprints this right. 
seal, you know, this official corporate seal for our company. They upsold you. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't usually get that for our clients. David and Daniel, I think, were highly amused by the two of us. So they basically sat down with Unbelievable and Delahue and read through all the papers to try to understand all these legal documents that we got. And in doing so, they found a lot of stuff we didn't completely understand when we were calling Belize and Delaware and setting up these companies. So when we called Belize, we were told, you know, if you want to remain really, really secretive, you can choose what is called the nominee service. And that's basically where they find some random person who's a nominee to be the director of the company. So you can control the company, but your name isn't anywhere on the documents. So both of these companies happen to be in my name, but my name is not on any of the documents here. The names that are on the documents are these nominees. And when I asked the people in Belize who's going to be our director, they said Desiree is a popular choice. I said, who's Desiree? Apparently, Desiree is some woman that sits at the front desk downstairs in the office. And according to these documents that came with all of our registration papers, she's already held a company meeting. Here we have the minutes of Unbelievable. Right. What does that mean? There were there was a meeting that happened already. Right. Presumably, um, and Desiree has been appointed as the director. And if you flip the page, it says that this. There being no other business, the meeting was declared closed at eleven thirty a.m. There's your signature. Absolutely. We also opted for a nominee shareholder, and he shows up in the same paperwork. Also, Umberto, I think I'm saying this right, Umberto Gregorio Barrera Mojica. Umberto owns all the shares for Unbelievable, and it's directed by Desiree. Correct. So do I own the company, though, or do they? No, you do. You know, Umberto will do what you tell him to do. Um, Umberto will give you back the share whenever you ask for it, and Umberto will make whatever decisions in the company you tell him to make. It's just a way of not having to put our name on that form. That's, that's basically right. What about Desiree? Will she do whatever I tell her? As your director, I, I believe that's the case. I think it says she does whatever you tell her, and you can remove her at your will. And if you, you look here, she's already executed an agreement for her <laughs> resignation that's signed but not dated. So she's given me a resignation letter without a date so that I can fire her whenever I want to. Exactly. So all you have to do is date it when you decide that she's resigning. I have never had this much power over two human beings that I don't know. These two people are like the public face of our company, and they're real human beings, but they're not supposed to act like real people. They're just supposed to be sort of like my avatars, you know, that move when I tell them to move and how I tell them to move. I mean, you could give Desiree the title fake director. You can pass a resolution that Desiree... You know, she'll, she'll have the office of, quote, fake director. That could be her official title. So if she signed something on behalf of the company, she'd have to write fake director after her name. <laughs> put a resolution in that says the fake director has to call you on your birthday. <laughs> Can we have unbelievable Sue Delahue? Yeah. I don't think... We've had a uh, client ask if they can sue themselves. I can think of one instance. <laughs> <laughs> we talked to Daniel and Dave about this for a while. We asked them, like, what possible legitimate purpose could there be for having a company with a fake director? And they said, well, 
and they said they have had a client like this. You can imagine someone with some wealth who lives in an unstable country where there are kidnappings and bribery and corruption. In that situation, it would make sense for that person to stash money out of the country in a place where the bad guys couldn't find it in a business that doesn't have the person's name on it. Okay, but suppose you don't live in one of those countries where you're worried about being kidnapped all the time. I can still think of something else you might want to do. How how do we launder money with these two companies? Oh, I don't know. You know how, we've been asked a lot of wild things by clients, but you're the first people who have asked us, how can you launder money? So. David and Daniel shrug and are sort of giggling for a minute, but then they do proceed to say, well... I don't know, if, if Unbelievable is selling T-shirts and you have money from... You know, drug dealing or something, then maybe you say, I sold, you know, a thousand T-shirts and that's why I have this money. I don't know. We, we really have not uh, have not done any money laundering either, either directly or on behalf of clients. <laughs> we may be the first to ask Daniel and David about how to launder money, but it has clearly occurred to the people in Belize that that is what some of their clients are looking to do. There's a whole section actually in here in the unbelievable paperwork that says, don't do anything illegal. Promise you will not do anything illegal. I had a good laugh when I, when I spotted that. Under provision six, beneficial owner, that's you, Hannah, guarantees that the company will not be used for the purposes of distributing drug, drugs, money washing, financing of terrorism, production or distribution, and or distribution of kitty porn, and some other unlawful, illegal activity that you're promising not to run through. Unbelievable. It's, it almost implies like there is a danger that if we don't remind you that you might finance terrorism or, or, or launder money or something, right? They understand that some of their clientele may not be above board and they want you know, plausible deniability. But again, Daniel and David emphasized they do not help people launder money or do anything illegal with offshore entities. There are lots of legal reasons to have companies like these. They would repeat again and again as we spent time with them. For instance, they said, imagine, you know, you have an international T-shirt making company and you have investors from Canada and Mexico and China all over the world. So sure, you could set up your company here in the U.S., but if you do that, then the Canadian and Mexican and Chinese investors, they all have to file tax paperwork in the U.S. And sometimes it's just easier to set up the company offshore, have the company file all the paperwork. You know, the same amount of taxes gets paid, but ultimately it's just less paperwork for all the investors. And when you sit down and think about it, you know, where are you going to register your company? You might not want to set it up in China or Mexico. I mean, Belize, the Cayman Islands, this is what they do. They make it easy, cheap, and efficient. Daniel and David told us you see offshore used a lot, especially in one kind of business, in private equity, where you have a bunch of investors, potentially from all over the world, putting money into one pot to buy up companies. And this, Daniel says, could explain why Mitt Romney has some offshore stuff. And in fact, that's what Mitt Romney says. He says they're left over from his time at Bain Capital. So private equity, that's a legal, legal use of this whole offshore world. But of course, that's not what, you know, offshore places are known for. They're known for an illegal use, supposedly, for tax evasion. When we started this, you know, I naively thought, OK, they're called tax havens. It must just be that you move your money to some offshore company or you set up a company offshore and you don't have to pay taxes. That turns out not to be true. You still have to pay taxes. In fact, that's how we met Daniel and David. When David heard our first show about buying these offshore companies, 
He got worried about you, Hannah, because they're in your name, and he sent you an email. Oh, I, I just thought she entered a minefield of U.S. tax compliance obligation. It turns out that despite all the advertising we heard about how private and how anonymous these things are, I am actually legally required to immediately file paperwork with the IRS declaring the existence of my offshore company. Even if it's doing nothing, I need to tell the IRS that I own it, which, of course, completely undoes the whole idea of having anonymity. Failure to file this paperwork with the IRS, Daniel and David told us, will result in a fine. And then if Unbelievable is seen as a controlled foreign corporation, it is subject to an anti-tax deferral scheme as articulated in subpart F of the U.S. tax code. So subpart F is the part of the the Internal Revenue Code of 1986, as amended. This is clearly fun for these guys. Anyway, I probably am going to have to fill out a 5471 form which looks pretty complicated. In fact, on page 14 of the instructions for the 5471 form, there's a helpful estimate of how long the whole thing should take. The record-keeping estimated burden is 82 hours, 45 minutes. 82 hours and 45 minutes. And they notorious, they're notorious for underestimating those times, by the way. And that is not all. <laughs> Learning about the law or the form, 16 hours, 14 minutes, and preparing and sending the form to the IRS... It's 24 hours and 17 minutes. And if I don't fill out these forms, I could be fined up to $10,000 a year. Hannah, I am so glad I was out of the office when we had to decide whose name these things were going to be put in. Yeah, I'm sure you are, David. (laughs) Okay, so unbelievable doesn't make it suddenly legal for us to evade our taxes. In fact, it adds this whole other realm of tax forms. But if we are willing to break the law and not pay taxes, if our intent is to evade taxes, unbelievable could help us in that. It could make it harder for the government to catch me evading my taxes. Not that I plan to evade taxes, but if I did want to, it might make it harder because, you know, after all, the company on paper is owned by a guy named Umberto and run by Desiree. Our names are nowhere to be found, which kind of makes you wonder. How do we get caught? Well, there are a lot of ways to get caught. Well, first of all, if you get audited, um, you you may get caught. Scorned lovers and uh, you know disgruntled employees are a uh, a great source of information for the IRS. Nobody has good numbers on what people in the world are using these shell companies like ours with fake boards of directors and fake shareholders for. I mean, sure, there may be some people in dangerous countries trying to protect their money from drug gangs and paramilitary organizations and kidnappers, but. I mean, how many people can that really be? This service where you get a fake director, that's offered in a lot of tax havens. And for what? We figured there is at least one person who is perfectly positioned to shed light on this, and that is Desiree, our fake director, who, you know, as we know, directs a lot of companies probably all over the world. When we set up Unbelievable, we were upfront that we were reporters and that we wanted to document the process of setting up the company. And once we had Desiree and Umberto on our paperwork, we asked, you know, could we interview them too? And we were told no. We asked again, asked the manager, and we're told again, no. So as reporters, you know, that leaves us kind of stuck. But as owners of Unbelievable, we had more options. Our tax lawyers told us, you want to meet these guys? Write yourselves into the annual meeting. So we have here the company may hold once every calendar year an annual meeting. You can amend this to say the company shall have if you want. In, in Belize, 
at her house maybe or something. Right, right. Absolutely. Would you guys help us write that? Absolutely. Do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. David tears out a piece of paper from his legal pad. He hands it to you, Hannah, and gives you a pen. And then Daniel just starts dictating, like, off the top of his head. So Okay, so you could write, um, resolution of the members of Unbelievable Inc. Okay. Okay, and then you can say... It's kind of amazing to watch him. He, he kind of leans back in his chair, looking up at the ceiling. He goes on for several whole paragraphs just off the top of his head. Pursuant to Article 16, we hereby resolve as follows. This, this is, this is, the, you know, this is the, the guts here. The company shall hold... Instead of May. Instead of May. Uh, its annual meeting in Belize. In Belize. And I think the crucial part is that you should say... You know, Anne, Hannah, and David shall attend. Oh, this is a run-on sentence. That's Am I okay. Still going? Okay. That's okay. <laughs> and from uh... and there you have it. And then you would send that. Um, Excellent. There, there it is. And now it's the law. You have to go. You know, I don't think I've ever. Um, that's the first time I've ever used a legal pad for legal purposes. We put our official stamp on this crazy thing, Hannah. Honestly, I really can't even read your handwriting on it. I know. You gave me a hard time about my handwriting. But the folks in Belize, David, could read it just fine. When I got home, I scanned it and emailed it to them. And they wrote back saying, this is an unorthodox request. And they'll get back to us. We'll have more on how to launder money, evade taxes, and hide your money from your spouse, or at least stories about people who are trying to do that on future shows. In the meantime, you can get a glimpse of what Unbelievable and Delahue look like on our website, npr.org slash money. You can write to us at planetmoney at npr.org. If there's anyone from the IRS or the government listening, we are not doing anything illegal. <laughs> or at least we're trying not to. I'm Hannah Jeffy-Walt. I'm David Kestenbaum. Thanks for listening. 